When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 90 Day Fiancé WTF Podcast, a weekly hangout to talk about what the fuck we all just watch on TLC's 90 Day Fiancé. I am Nadia, and with me is my co-host, Lon. Hey, hey, how's it going, Nadia? Hey, hey, it's another 90 Day Fiancé, happily ever after. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, especially when it comes to Kimbali. I liked that it didn't though. <laughs> that kind of <laughs> that kind of made me happy. Because <laughs> I just like that it didn't. We already knew that it was going to be a bad idea. She pretty much had already said no before this episode already aired. So it's like it shouldn't have come as no surprise. It made me smile that it, it wasn't going their way. <laughs> and by just, she you mean the mom, right? Who's the whole mom? Usman's mom, but also the rest of the family, too, wasn't having it. The rest of the family was also like, what are you doing, Usman? You know, she wants grandchildren. What are you doing with this person, right? Like, I don't know if it was his brother or his dad, but even one of them was like, what is it about these American girls? (laughs) Like, when this type of woman that can't have children or something like that. I was like, ooh, she doesn't even know what they're talking about. She's just kind of like. Sitting there with her eyebrow raised, not even Can knowing. Can I say something? <laughs> Please say something. do. Please do. <laughs> no, that's what she said. That's why she kept... Oh, right, right. Right, right, Can right. Can say something? <laughs> she points out a finger. Because she, like she wanted to explain, I guess, yeah. uh, that the cow wasn't a bribe. Yeah. The cow's a bribe, y'all. <laughs> I, I thought... guess it's a traditional gift, too, but... Yeah, I think it is because... Well, actually, one of the brothers reminded us that BGL had given a goat, right? Or a sheep. Yes, yes. So it does seem like a bit much in terms of someone trying to get them to accept the person. So I can see how they see it as a bribe. Yeah. Though personally, I wouldn't get a bull. I would get a cow because a cow could reproduce. But I thought it was a cow. (laughs) It was a bull. and It was a bull. Yeah, it was a bull. And bulls meet is really lean maybe that's why but also i think she didn't want to pay for a cow a cow is more expensive because i think a cow has more use but someone on reddit actually pointed out like why is she being stingy on the purchase when she was fine buying him a ps5 and a macbook right 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 you know so you're telling me that they literally could see through the bull bullshit (laughs) Was that bad? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I yeah. see what you did there. And $185 isn't... That's not it, bad. Oh, I thought it, it was, was 500, 500 they, they bargained it down. Yeah. yeah, bargained it down. But yeah, I mean, that she shouldn't sweat that. I mean, she bought him a PS5 and yeah. a MacBook. And a MacBook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I really found funny is that someone on Pillow Talk, I think it was Molly's 
best friend, I forgot her name, you know, when the brother commented about how, like, why does he always bring home this type of women, right? And then Molly's best friend was like, maybe when he was growing up, he was watching a lot of Granny's Gone Wild. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> Somebody's got to say it. Yikes. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I guess uh, Usman's plan to get a green card is being foiled again because his family is not going to accept her for obvious reasons, right? She's not able to bear him children. Mm -hmm. I think we're about to find out that she argued that she's not going to be his second wife. Right. So, yeah, I don't know where she would go from here. I think this relationship is a fail to begin with yeah and i'm over it anyway and also i think it's also for the best you know at the end of this i think he's accomplished what he can accomplish on this show is it going to be world domination when it comes to his music career maybe not Mm -hmm. but he's gotten exposure out of it he's gotten to spin some singles you know on the show he's gotten exposure it's a dub yeah it's yeah. you know <laughs> maybe you're not gonna get Kim, but that's also good. I think in the long run, that's also for the best. Yeah. Did anyone else hear the flex that Kimberly put out? She said like, "Oh, this is scarier than Desert Storm." <laughs> yeah. Then when she was fighting in Desert yeah, Storm, I know. Is that Iran? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The war. In that, the, I was like, "Ooh, war flex. in the Middle East or whatever." Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah Iraq. Right. Uh, I guess uh, meeting the parents is scarier. Um, That's insulting, though, to anyone who's served. Come on now. <laughs> and remember, she said she's jumped the plane a lot, out of the plane yeah. a lot. So, and she's been flexing. Well, anyway, shall we move on to... Yes. Lon cannot wait to move on. But yes, let's move on to Jovi and Yara. I think they had a small scene, right? I think it was just her and the mom. And she's telling her mom, like, hey, I got my green card. Now I can't wait to go back to Europe. But then the scenes before that of them is her finally kind of meeting him midway, like saying that, hey, I'll wait for you, right? Yeah, so they kind of retread the conversation about the Ukraine, which I think has dragged on long enough. Like you pointed out, I think the highlight was when she was with her daughter. I think that's the scene, right? Yeah. I thought it was a nice break. It was a nice refresher to see how fun um, Yara is mm. and just to get away from that conversation that just feels like has been going on for three or four episodes already about whether or not we're going to go to Ukraine and if you're going to wait for Jovi or not. And that's Myla. How old is she now? She, she's so cute. Yeah. I, think <laughs> I like how cute. angry how angry she looked when they were just forcing her to play with the paint and she was just... Yeah. She's just looking around. What are you guys making me do? She's got that sassy attitude from her mom, I guess. Yeah. And Yara was like, you know, Americans have signs for everything. Everything's on the wall. Like she was saying, <laughs> they have everything hanging on their walls. But I don't know, a carpet or something like that on the wall. <laughs> to me, that was the standout moment from the whole Yara Jovi thing for me. Yeah, me too. Like the biggest takeaway from their scene is the fact that she finally relent to waiting for him until he comes back from work to go to Europe, which I think is probably the best for them. Yeah. So 
another episode and another scene with Bilal just confirming that he's not willing to start a family with Shaida. When is Shaida going to see this? Because I think we're all seeing this and Shaida's just, what, looking the other way? Like, I, I don't understand this. Like, it's clear that he's not interested. You know, like the doctor said, well, your ovary count is low. And so if you really want to have a baby, you got to start doing it right away within six months or whatever that he prescribed. And the look on his face. The look on his face. Yeah, like, oh, shit. (laughs) Now I I guess I cannot wear that condom anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That to me was bittersweet. I'm happy that Shaida kind of gets what she wants in that look. We can't wait anymore. Yeah. We gotta, we really have to try. And they can finally start to get the ball rolling on that. Mm-hmm. Well, depending on how much Bilal will resist or not, but she finally got professional confirmation that waiting is not the best way to go about this. So I'm happy that that's going. It is like, you know, not the best news that her days are numbered or right or her mm-hmm. chances, I guess the chances because of her eggs are being low count mm-hmm. the chances are slimmer and, and starting to decrease it's like oh that's not great but hey on the bright side now you've got the ammunition to say Bilal you gotta fucking do this yeah and to be clear they have options right oh frozen I, eggs and stuff yeah they could freeze the egg or they can do IVF so it's not mm. like they're out of option it's just that I guess for her it's disheartening to hear that yes your ovary count is lower because of your age and that's kind of expected as you grow older. Like he said, right? You start with a million eggs when you're young. And then as you get progressively older, then you become like Angela. <laughs> yeah. This was all obvious for everyone else watching episodes yeah. ago. We're like, dude, what? Did, how old is she again? 38, something like that. She's we're 37? 37, 38. Yeah. yeah, but we're all already thinking this, right? And like, yeah. Bala keeps saying, wait, wait, it's best to wait. <laughs> Before you even went to see the doctor, I'm pretty sure everyone in America was like, no, I'm pretty sure she's reaching an age right now, like where her clock's ticking. Yeah. You know? So finally he gets it. It's said that from a medical professional, look, this is what's happening. We got confirmation from the blood work and his face was just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. I just wonder at what point would he man up and tell her like, hey, I just need you to know that I'm not moving forward with this. I guess he's also afraid of losing her. But I also think that because of his lack of honesty towards her, he's imprisoning her or rather like trapping her with the fact that, you know, they're both not aligned when it comes to this baby making process. Mm-hmm. And that's heartbreaking to watch because, you know, as you can tell, she was so devastated to hear that news, understandably. And he's just being, once again, robotic. Yeah. He was like, not even, I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like he's comforting her. He's just like, well, too bad. I feel like that's his attitude towards this whole situation is that, well, too bad. Well, I guess we just have to wait. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like he's not comforting her as a no. husband should. He's not comforting her because I think he feels at this point that he's the one at a loss. That he's the one 
that's now has to sacrifice mm. his time, right? I guess he feels like the victim here. He felt like I had two years and you took those two years away from like, you know, per hour prenup or whatever. I think he was under the impression that he had two years and now she's mm. taking that away and it's that down too. to six yeah. months and, and he's the one that's losing out on this. So yeah, it wasn't even in his mind to comfort her mm. it was in his mind like oh shit this sucks for me yeah right <laughs> if we accelerate this this is like yeah not why this I sucks intend- for me yeah. he was not excited if anything like now his days are numbered too and he said yeah you know we just can't jump right in well but the doctor said you really don't have much of an option here <laughs> yeah if you're gonna start trying so and i just think the whole you're gonna leave me as a cop out i don't believe it one bit yeah. You know, she can say that. I think he knows. Yeah. Does she say that stuff? Yes. But I think he knows that these are not real threats that are going to, that would happen if they have kids. Mm-hmm. He just uses it as a cop out. You're going to leave me. You're going to leave me. You guys are going to have a kid and she's going to leave you. Like, do you really think that's going to happen? I think if you don't have kids, then she's more prone to leave because yeah. you're wasting her time. But yeah. She's not just going to leave like after you have a a child together. I don't think that's going to happen. Agree. All right. From uh, one couple who's not quite having sex to a couple who had sex in an accident. We're we're (laughs) talking about cowgirl Jenny. (laughs) A a displaced navel? Is that what he called it? Navel displacement. A navel displacement. Is that another term for hernia? It could be. He said he ended up having diarrhea because of it. But yeah, I like think his stomach it was... was bruised or something. Is that what he said? Stomach hurt. And I was like, that sounds like hernia to me. Like if you put a lot of weight on, you know, and especially in that position, like hernia came to mind. Yeah. It's what I'm saying. It just sounds like a pretty bad injury. Like a navel yeah. being displaced. displaced. Yeah. Very unpleasant to hear. I was like, oh, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> So Patrick from, you know, Patrick and Thais, Patrick was on Pillow Talk and he told his brother that he had his navel displaced when he benched 800 pounds, but that's 800 pounds. And I don't think Jenny is 800 pounds. Oh, is it from the pressure from like, From the pressure. Push. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> sounds like it hurts. Yeah, I know, dude. Oh that doesn't sound like a fun Kama Sutra exercise, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for me, the biggest takeaway here is not really about that incident. It's more of the whole, well, one, Sumit low-key hinting that Jenny's overweight or fat, mm-hmm. however you want to see it or put it. And then the other thing is, and I'm on Jenny's side here, Sumit measuring her up to his mom's standards, which is not fair, right? I Correct. think if we have any male listeners, I just wish that guys you can't expect women to be your moms like you you don't unless you really want to marry your mom like you cannot put them on the same level you know different women are different you know that triggers me because I don't like when men start comparing their partners to their moms like okay if you like the way your mom do it then stay at home don't marry someone else right you know yeah he said something about that too like he said something like she can't say that oh she's american and she can't do this she has to be a traditional kind of what they expect i think indian housewives to be 
all the time, right? Yeah. But if she wants to use a vacuum cleaner, what's that got to do with being American or not? <laughs> right. And f- for me, it wasn't even so much that. For me, it was, well, the only reason you want this is to make, like you said, appealing to, to mom. his mom yeah. and to his parents so he could win them back, which I think right now is a lost cause. Mm. And I think it's possible. Yeah. Oh, after some time, you know, you can't just come by. I don't know if it was the end of this episode or if it was the trailer for next. He's going to go stop by and say, hey, guys, what's up? Are we cool again? No, no. He's going to invite them over. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Like no amount of cleaning the house yeah. is going to fix this. This isn't the clean house wasn't the problem. Like each. Yeah. Jenny can clean the house till it's spotless. That's not gonna, still not accept her. Right. This isn't going to that's not going to fix anything. That's yeah. not going to make any everything OK. I can see why he try to emphasize on the cleaning because it's one way to compensate for the age difference is that okay Mm -hmm. she may be older but look mom she can clean and cook as well as you so i can see that's his way of like making up for the age difference the age gap but i still think it's not nice to put that on her right make her like oh you gotta clean and the only way to do that is using the broom because it's physically healthy or it makes you physically active or something that's like dude now you're low-key body shaming her (laughs) or something like you're being prescriptive and i don't like it when men are being prescriptive on how women should clean like and and she has the best comeback too it's like if you want things done a certain way you do it yourself why don't you fucking do it yeah Yeah, do it yourself (laughs) yeah and again right like you made a really good point about making this living up to the standards of his mom because his mom cooks his mom cleans his mom can do a backwards fucking yoga bridge pose or whatever <laughs> right can you know i mean floss up her nose this and- shit. yeah 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 yeah. so it's like <laughs> dude do you want a mom or do you want a wife yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right dude technically we've come to the end of our coverage well we have one more couple I'm just very, very hesitant to talk about them because I don't know about you, Lon. It has gotten really, really toxic between Andre and Libby to the point where I don't know if TLC is trying to promote domestic abuse or are they trying to showcase love between couples because it's certainly not the latter. It's so much emphasis on the drama. And I get it. This is reality TV, guys. We're both no strangers to reality TV. It has to have some sort of mess and dumpster Mm -hmm. fire. But when it's tethering on abuse, right? In whichever form, right? Let me just not mince my words here and be very, very transparent. With what Angela is doing to Michael, right? And with how Big Ed is with Liz, they're both very toxic. And I don't know why they're still featured on TV without any disclaimer or warning. It's about time TLC look at themselves and be like, is this what we're about? We're promoting and glorifying toxicity and unhealthy relationship. Is that what you guys are about? Because shame on you because this is not what your viewers want to watch. We want to see the drama between Couples that are not from the U.S., they're trying to get a green card. You know, couples who are long distance who are trying to, like, close the gap between them 
I get it. There is nothing wholesome about happily ever after. That title itself is a deception. So yeah. TLC needs to get their act right because I feel like this is probably the last time I'm going to talk about Andre and Libby because, I and I don't know who's worse, Libby for taking it or Andre for being simply the most verbally abusive guy that every single word that we hear from him is a cuss word that is bleeped out. If I don't turn on closed caption, I wouldn't even know what the fuck he's saying. Yeah. And for me, it's like she was even there to support him and she's going through it with him. If anything, she's on his side and he was blaming her. You were fucking laughing during the interview. You were making a joke. She's like, no, I just thought, you know, the the question could have been taken. And I get it. She probably was like, well, yeah, she was like, what do you mean? And maybe it came out that way. Like, well, what do you mean? Because it could be different answers. He might say we met at this date. I might say we met when we talked on the phone. And it maybe came out as like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, well, you just answer this question. You answer it. Blah, blah. I'm just like, dude, she's on your side. Like, you guys can go through, can get through this together. And instead, he's turning her into the enemy. He's taking it out on her. And he's ultimately blaming her for why they might possibly not get it or he might excuse me possibly not get his citizenship or whatever yeah his permanent green card Mm. yeah andre is that type of douchebag who blames everyone except himself i mean this is a guy who has a shady past as we found out during his trip to moldova i mean don't you think the immigration or border patrol will not do a background check on you right I'm sorry, but you have a shady past. Yeah. And it's every country's right to do a background check on you, to enforce the interview process on you. And Yara and Jovi went through it. Um, you know, they came out fine. Uh the thing too is that Andre is being overly reactive and exaggerating when it comes to that particular question when actually there's no wrong answer. Your wife may interpret the way you met differently than you. You know, like what Libby said, right? She was wondering, like, are they asking when did we first meet in person or when did we first meet on social media? Or, you know, there are ways to interpret a question from USCIS. I don't think that's like the the be-all, end-all. Or like, that's not going to kill your chances. What will kill your chances is your shady-ass past. I think that deserves a second look. And I think Andre should stop blaming her family because there's no proof that someone snitched on you. You brought that up again. And I was like, there is a very, very, very small, small. And even then I'm like rolling my eyes. I don't think, I don't think anyone went to fucking, hey, check out this Andre (sighs) guy. He's really suspicious. I don't know. I don't think you should trust it. Like, Come on. <laughs> I don't think they give a shit enough <laughs> to yeah. call, the, call that out. I really don't. I think we have to give the USCIS more credit because imagine if they took every single snitch into account. Yeah. <laughs> like, they won't be doing their job properly. Like, I'm pretty sure every single complaint is being heard, but being investigated too. I mean, we got to believe that. I also think that the family may hate him, but... 
I don't think anyone has time to like call the USCIS. And that's to, what I mean. I get yeah. that they feel strongly about them, but I, I mean, I don't know if they would really go out of their way that much. To me, I just think that just shows how much Andre is full of himself that he thinks yeah. it's all about him. Like, yeah, like the world they must be. Yeah, it's it's they must be against me. They don't want me to be here. I don't think they care enough about you, really. If any, they do love Libby. I get that they hit your guts, but for them to really dial a number and sabotage your marriage and want you to take Libby to Moldova, I don't think they give a shit about you that much to go, hey, yeah, this guy, I don't like him. Look into his past. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I, I think if they really, really hate him, they would call the cops on him, not really call the USCIS on him. Yeah. That's just too much work. And plus, it will implicate them too, because remember, all of them have some sort of criminal record. They all have DUIs. Yeah. And as much as they're afraid that he will take Libby and the family away, it's in their best interest too that he stay here because yeah. they know Libby will follow. If, yeah. if Libby will take the camera stay. crew with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this doesn't discount the fact that Andre is just very abusive. No, of course. The of fact course. that he got livid with her for trying to help him with the tie. I'm like, bro. I remember that. Yeah, you're right. Th- that was very uncomfortable to me. That was very toxic. I can't believe that. He yelled at her for the, what are you doing? He cussed yeah. at her. Oh my, yeah. Like this guy just think that he's always right and he blames her for everything. Yeah. And she takes it. Yeah. So I'm just going to leave that there because that whole scene with them is very depressing. I've, It's not healthy. It's just not the most pleasant thing to watch that's not a normal relationship period all right lon what is your wtf moment to wrap this up again wtf but i don't know for me i liked it when the doorbell rang and they're like we got the cow and they're like what there's there's a cow is this a bribe and Kimberly was like, hold, hold up. Like, oh, let Can, me I explain something? Something. Can I say something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whole freak out and that whole mess. I was just <laughs> enjoying every, yeah, every part of that moment. Like, yeah, it sounds bad. It sounds bad that I want this to fail, but I want it to fail for good reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I want it to fail because it's not a right fit. It's so obviously not the right fit. It's not a good fit. The family sees that. I think we all see that. You know, and I think even TV Wonder sees that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm not just not saying that because I'm not a fan of Gimbali, but I also think Usman isn't here for the right reasons. Yeah. This is something that we've discussed on this podcast too. Usman is actually, I don't think he's in it for the right reasons. Um, yeah. Kimberly, she's in it for the right reasons, but I just don't think she's really that great of a person and that she's really going to embrace the culture the way Usman wants her to. So yeah. that's my grip with Kimberly. But Usman, I just think he's not in it for the right reasons. I don't think he loves Kimbali the way he says he does. This is very transactional for him. Mm-hmm. He's going to get something out of this. He's going to further his career or whatever he believes. He's going to come to America and, and thrive, which is good. But I don't think you should have it under the guise of, I love this woman. You know, when you yeah. don't really, I just feel it was very predatory for him when he's singling out people like baby girl Lisa and Kimbali and targeting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both agree that this is not a knock on his hustle. We know that it's a hustle and we kind of respect it because it's, he's winning. 
his music is out there. We know about it. Yeah. I think when you toy with people's feelings or when you do it at the expense of someone's emotions, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I not can't a get good down fit for either of them. Yeah. 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 Well, my WTF moment, it's not even a moment. It's a person and it's Andre. Another he's walking, w- he's a walking, walking WTF. WTF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enough said. I don't need to emphasize. I think, yeah, I don't want to see him on the screen anymore. I cannot stand him. Clearly trashy too when you cuss in front of your young daughter. Yeah. Like really trashy. Really trashy. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because it's not just how he treats her when they're alone. It's how he treats her in front of her family too. Yeah. And it's Come the on, way guy. he talks to women if you notice he goes harder on women like he just loses respect when he talks to Jen, Becky to Pam the mom but when he talks to with the exception of Charlie because he cannot get along with Charlie but when he talks to Chuck when he talks to his dad he's fine Mm. but when he talks to women I'm seeing that like he just lowers his respect on them you know like He's so clearly misogynistic, very sexist of him. and Right. Yeah. And TLC, you got to do better. Do better. Do better. All right. Enough of TLC. Let's take a break and we'll be right back after these messages. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are back. If you are listening to us on Spotify, there might be a, an ad playing if not i'm sorry this is really awkward we usually put an ad in between our breaks just like any other podcast but here we are talking about the second last episode of house of dragon oh no winding down to the season finale i know such a good show such a good show lon i'll give the floor to you say your piece whatever you want to profess about the show about this episode and uh yeah we can go from there i don't like Kristen cole fuck him he stands out more and more in the beginning of the season i was really excited for this guy but you know i think that's what also makes the show good because his character arc you know was like hey this is a good guy Mm. honorable you Mm -hmm. know and this is a guy i can get behind Mm. and here we are season nine and i can't Stand the stand guy. Him. Yeah. I can't stand him. Are there no consequences for killing a member of the council? Like, what the hell happened? And then the Lord Commander was like, take off your cloak. Drop your sword, take your cloak off. Yeah, I get it that, you know, he justified it himself by, you know, I won't let someone talk to the queen like that. You just killed somebody though. And he got to keep his cloak. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wait, he just gets to go? He does. He's he's still part of the King's Guard and everything. And you know, with the backing of the Queen, he's pretty much invincible being besties with her. Like she pulls him aside. And I don't know if she was trying to be suggestive, but when she's pulled him aside to have him like do this favor with whatever you feel for me. Um, yeah. You need to give that was me a hint. To, I was like, mm? <laughs> like eyebrow raise. Like what? <laughs> like it's are we supposed to read into this line? Yeah. That was one part. I'm glad Masari is back making power moves, right? 
this is a very well-written show, by the way, but there were a lot of really good lines in this episode, particularly. And I, you know, I couldn't write them down. I, I wrote some of them down verbatim, but um, when she said something about, you know, when you put your king on the throne, remember it was me who put him there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is the power I, that we, the people give you, that yes, you take from us. Yes. Yeah. So much, so much good writing in this episode. And again, there were all over the episode. I was like, oh man, that is fucking good. Oh man, this is really good stuff. But that for me was Masaria making power play and with who else? Otto of all people, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is really, really powerful. My thing is I don't fully trust Otto. So it's like, oh, I'll remember. Do you mean you'll remember and you'll say, well, we got to keep our eye on this one or do you remember and she'll get rewarded for it? So that was kind of my man. Like, I don't know. I don't trust Otto um, with that. Yeah. But here we are. It's split now. It's time to pick a side. Are you team black? Are you team green? And correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I read it, they're killing people. They're killing people. They're right? killing people who are imprisoning bend the knee. Yeah, they're imprisoning them. But there was definitely that one scene where the guy who was standing, he bent the knee. And it was almost like he was threatened to when they said anybody else. And I think the two people that were like, well, we align with, they got, got quietly walked out of the scene. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> he like bends the knee. I'm like, it was, that's when it kind of occurred. Are they just straight up killing people now? And they kind of explicitly say it when Allison's like, are you going to kill him? They will, Rhaenyra and her family will have an opportunity to bend the knee and what is it? Obeisance, something obeisance or whatever. Yeah. But Allison said it and was like, no, like, are you going to kill him? And I was like, oh shit, they're killing. <laughs> they're going to yeah. start killing people. I think this is the part where we see that Otto and Allison are actually not aligned. Yeah. Allison finally gets it or finally verbalizes it that Yo, Dad, you've been using me. Right. You, that was kind plotting. of the main the main theme of the show, I think, where it was a race to see who gets to Aegon first. First, right? yeah. 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 Yeah, because I think if Otto got to him first, Otto would have given him specific instructions on like what to do next. And Allison wanted to intercept that because she wanted her son to spare Rhaenyra and her family's mm-hmm. life. Which, again, I don't know where that's going to go because this Aegon II seems a bit unstable. Like, you know, you can tell like he didn't want the throne, but then once he got into it, he's like, yeah, I'm the king now. Okay, yeah. great. Let's that do scene it. scene at the end. Da, da, da. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think I can see him like a Joffrey where he goes like Buckwild. You know, like, remember Cersei thought that she could control him. But Joffrey just went off, you know, mm. case in point. Ned Stark was not supposed to be beheaded, but Joffrey was the one who went ahead with it. And Cersei was like, I didn't tell you to decapitate this guy. Like, right. we're, we're supposed to spare him to get the Stark on board with us. But anyway, I didn't want to digress. But um, I find that the whole Eric and Eric thing, like the way the, the other Eric switch sides was a little bit too quick. And maybe this was more of like a scene that didn't make it to the final cut is that maybe they've been showing Eric and Eric being conflicted, right? Mm. Because during this episode, we see that the other brother was showing like, hey, this is what 
Aegon likes to do. He has all these bastards and he makes them fight each other and all that. And the other Eric was like, ew, like what the fuck? Am I supposed to serve this savage king? Like, no, like I, I can't get behind this. So I feel like the switching of allegiance was kind of done a little bit too quick for me, mm. even though I like the pace of this show. But yeah, you know, starting from what you said earlier, like I can believe once again, Christian Cole got away with killing someone. But I also think it's because he, everyone in the room tolerating that is basically has chosen sides. Mm. So for Lord Bisbury, who died, he was the only one who spoke up and said, this is treason. You cannot possibly be going ahead with this. You cannot usurp Rhaenyra, who a lot of houses have pledged allegiance to. And then once Christian Cole went like cold-blooded on him, like nobody said a thing because they're like, well, we're team green. Yeah, we're moving yeah. on. Yeah. The other thing that I thought would happen is Eamon, and this may not happen this this episode, but maybe in season two or in the next one, I think that at some point Eamon might kill his brother to become the king because he's next in line and he feels from what he's verbalized that he deserves to be the king, the actual right. king. So He actually I, explicitly says it this episode. Yeah. Like I wonder too if he makes that same bargain that Rhaenyra did with Lenor that, hey, I'm going to let you sail off. You just give me the throne. But then it turns out that Aegon kind of went ahead with the ceremony and it seems like he enjoyed it. Uh, The other thing I was going to point out is, ew, Larry's has a fit fetish. <laughs> and I get it. Like I think what the show is trying to show us is because he has a feet problem, right? I, I don't know what to call it. Like he's disabled <laughs> in that sense. So I guess he's really turned on by feet. And <laughs> yeah. maybe his arrangement with the queen that hey, I'm gonna do all these favors for you, but I just need to see your feet. See your feet. <laughs> <laughs> show me the feet, man, so I can get <laughs> off on it. And last thing before we can start discussing some other stuff I was slightly disappointed that Rhaenys did not Dracarys them when she had the chance because that could have just ended the whole thing yeah I mean yeah. that could also end the whole season too but yeah I just wish that she had done something I was also thinking like even if she were to burn them going back to Daenerys what Daenerys said about her own brother Viserys if you're a real dragon Fire doesn't affect you. So technically, if you're a real Targaryen, supposedly, right, you won't really be burnt. Right. So it would kill the High Towers, who are the actual villains or instigators. You know, they're the plot makers of all these schemes. But it won't burn the Targaryen kids. But I think Rainy stopped short because she saw how Alicent was protecting Aegon. And she was like, well, one mom to another mom, I guess. Uh, I'll spare your life first, but uh, I'll let Rhaenyra take care of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Uses. <laughs> I just wish that she had Drak. I was like shouting at my TV like, Drakaris! That's fucking yeah. sad! <laughs> yeah. Because that, that would have been moment, a satisfying ending for me. That moment was a very key moment. And mm. uh, I also wondered if it was, again, almost like a power play. Just like Masaria was like, remember who put him there? She was looking at Allison like, you remember I spent your owe life. me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how dare you imprison me? 
How dare you not let me take me to my dragon, right? Here we are, and I'm letting this slide. You know what I mean? And I was just like, oh, she flexing right now. Like, mm. she's on top of her dragon. Like, don't you fucking forget <laughs> this yeah. moment, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, too, the high towers are very confident of their firepower, too, because they feel like they have the biggest dragon right now in this particular time period so they're like okay well nothing can happen to us because we have Eamon the dragon rider but we also have to remember that during the preview we see that Damon is waking the previous king Jaehaerys's dragon right like the oh, second right, or third right. biggest dragon during this time period so I cannot wait to see what will happen next. Fucking dragon fights. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, too, like, if someone's going to get slain, you know, if someone's going to get killed off the show before season one is over. Because, I mean, I don't know how else they're going to hook us in and make us wait another it's, year. It's a or two. season finale. Anything can happen on any given show. Yeah. But the season finale, they're going to have to go out with a bang. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I want to believe that Missera did not die in the fire because you saw that there was a building that was on fire mm. at the end of the show to kind of allude to the fact that Laris did the favor for the queen. Mm. But I want to think that Missera is more slippery than that. Like, I think she yeah. probably know what's coming. And hopefully she's going to reappear again somehow. And I was also hoping that Leonor may come back and help Team Black somehow. Because he has a dragon too. So Still a possibility, right? Yeah. This show yeah. is so clever in that they give us enough openings mm. to like open, open endings, right? Untied loose ends or wherever where they leave it open for possibility. Like, yeah. All right. Anything else, Lon, that you want to add? There was something, um, the daughter, I keep forgetting her name, Allison's daughter. Mm. There was something she said when Allison was trying to talk to her. And I didn't, I didn't know if she was trying to, if she, if, again, she was soothsaying or whatever it is she does. Yeah. She said, there's a beast beneath the boards. That's... And then Allison, oh, my poor, my poor yeah. girl or whatever. And then. And then it was over. And I was like, wait, what was that? <laughs> so I wrote it down just yeah. in case it was important. I think she predicted the fact that Rainies came out of the ground with her dragon. Mm, okay. Yeah, the beast was beneath the sept. Oh. It came out. I, uh, at least that's my interpretation. That's a good, yeah, no, that's a yeah. good one. Yeah. Yeah. And the girl's obsessed with spiders. <laughs> I think, I mean, there's so many things that, we could probably like really deep dive into, but that would take hours. Um, yeah, I could keep talking. I've got more notes. But yeah, we... no, I mean, if there's something that's worth noting, like definitely we should bring it up. Um, otherwise, yeah. I, I, I mean, like for me, I really just enjoyed the the conflict between the kids, you know, and I cannot wait to see what will happen next. I have a feeling one of the one of uh, Rhaenyra's son may may get killed. Because Eamon's going to be collecting. Like, he's going to cause some Eamon collateral. gets more and more interesting. Yeah. As the season has progressed. Like, I really didn't like him, you know, when uh, 
when he stole the dragon. I really and he, and he lost his eye. I really didn't like him. But this grown Aemon, I don't know where where we stand with this guy yet. He's mm-hmm. mysterious. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say a lot, but when he does, it's almost like a scene stealer. And uh, and it's kind of cool to see. Like okay, like he's really starting to become an interesting uh, character. Yeah, like I said in the last recording. Like he plays a part he does. really yeah, he well, does. even yeah. with his one eye, like behind a patch. Like he's such a great actor in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Otherwise, I really like. I think we're starting to see the real true colors of Otto Hightower, and I get it. In his head, he's thinking, "All right, I'm gonna kill a few people for the betterment of the Seven Kingdoms, so that we don't really start an actual war." But that's just how ruthless he is, you know. Yeah. He's he leaves no stone unturned. He's he really wanted everyone to bend the knee, and he didn't even give them time to think it through. Yeah, and he killed uh, Lord Caswell, right? The guy who pledged his allegiance to yeah. uh, to Rhaenyra. And- it really is to him like a chess game, where people are pawns. If you got to make a few sacrifices to win the game, you you make a few sacrifices. It's it's nothing to him. <laughs> yeah, Do you know who he reminds me of. Oh, I think the role that he's about to play reminds me of. He reminds me of Tywin Lannister trying to control Joffrey. Mm. So Otto Hightower is trying to control Aegon to rule the way he wants the kingdom uh, to be ruled because he thinks he can pull the strings. Right. And Ellison is trying to pull the strings some other ways. So this will be very interesting to see. the interview. Another good line. I'm glad you said that. Because she says that to Renice, something about about how we can control the men, we can mm. control how they rule. Again, I forget it, but like it was another good line she says to Renice when she's like, "You could have been queen. Like we can't rule, but we can rule." I don't know how she said it, but she says something like, "We can rule like how the men were like ruling through them in some way." I forget. I'm fucking it all up, but yeah. I just I didn't write it down. But she said something. She said it more eloquently, obviously, but she said something like that. And Rennie's countered that by saying, you're no different because yeah. you're letting the men right. run the show. And when still, you, yeah, you yeah. get ruled by men. Yeah, you're, like you're, you're no different. Like, don't you see yourself on the Iron Throne? Yeah. And that was such a mic drop for me. You know, for me, Rennie's is very like a wild card. Like, I don't know where her allegiance is. It's almost like, I don't know if she's really like for her Targaryen family or is she just being very neutral? Like, it seems like she's more neutral now. Like She's just like, Rhaenyra, this is your problem. Like, don't get me involved. You know? <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really want to see Damon square off with uh, Aemon because they're that both so be, alike. That would be crazy. Yeah. Especially when Damon gets to write the bigger dragon that's currently nesting in one of the dragon stone or dragon pits. All right, Juan. Anything else to talk about before we uh, close off? Just one thing about the whole prophecy. For me, it's exciting to see that there's this divide. And I think a lot of people are making a big deal about Alicent hearing words that were meant for Rhaenyra. Mm. And for me, though, if it's prophesied, that means the events unfold as they should. Because that's what prophecy is. Yeah, it was meant for Anira, but it was also meant for Allison because if Allison doesn't hear this, the events won't transpire 
Do you know what I mean? The events yeah. won't transpire as they do in order to lead to the prophecy coming true. If, yeah. It's almost as if it's fate, right? I don't mm-hmm. like to talk about fate too much because I know there's whole debates about fate. You know, yeah. the greatest minds have already debated fate and all this stuff like that. But sure. when, when I think about prophecy, it's almost as like, well, this is meant to happen. This thing that we're seeing is meant to happen. Viserys misspeaking to Allison meant to happen because if it doesn't, certain ways events unfold won't lead to the prophecy becoming real. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, that's a great point. Like, I, yeah. yeah, I think it was meant to be that way. And as much as I roll my eyes, you know, just thinking about how someone who's high on the milk of poppies saying all this gibberish to <laughs> someone who's like super dutiful and like religious and takes the word of the king as the law of the land and suddenly went off with it and having the father that has a hidden agenda like yeah these events were meant to be because otherwise we wouldn't get to Jon Snow right yeah or the the prince that was promised the, the prince that was promised and who didn't really kill the Night King yeah <laughs> Like, if you think about it, like, okay, yeah, he was around, but it was Arya's In the Stark end, yeah. that killed. So is she the prince that was promised? Is it Bran Stark? Is it? Yeah, dude, I wish they redo that. I mean, I wish they redo Game of Thrones. That's crazy. All right, Lon, for real, any last words? for That's it for me. All right. That's it for me too, guys. Well, nothing else to say. Be nice to one another. And till next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, WTFers. If you love the podcast, give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is appreciated and really helps us out. You can also find us under listener support on anchor.fm and donate for as low as 99 cents or on Patreon at WTF Extra. You can engage with us on email, Twitter, and Instagram at 90 Day Fiance WTF. We especially would like to hear what your WTF moments are each episode. We might even shout you out. Don't forget to like, share, and follow the podcast.